0: They keep asking who I am. I just tell them I'm a Christian. Occupation, a description. I just tell them I'm a Christian. Nationality, ethnicity, I tell them I'm a Christian. Keep the hyphens in division. I just tell them I'm a Christian. Welcome to the Savage Truth Podcast. This is Pastor Roy Dockery. We're joining you here again today. I appreciate all of those who will watch the video as well as those that will listen um, on the different platforms for streaming the podcast. Today I am joined by by Bruce Strom from Administer Justice, and we're going to talk about the new normal for justice in the post-coronavirus world. So I'm gonna take a moment and let Bruce introduce himself to the Savage Truth audience.
1: Thank you, Roy. It's great to be with your audience. Um, I'm an attorney of 30 years. I've been doing uh, legal aid work through Administered Justice, an organization I founded 20 years ago. So for the last 20, I've been helping vulnerable individuals who cannot access our justice system be able to um, access that system by providing both the help of a lawyer and the hope of God's love. We believe strongly in gospel justice, and Moody published a book I wrote called Gospel Justice, which I really encourage if you're sheltered in place, and you're looking for good reading, I'll just put a plug for that. Uh otherwise it's great to be with you and I look forward to our conversation.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it, Bruce. And uh yeah, and I, I met Bruce through the gospel justice. Um, I actually went to the Kingdom Justice Summit out in uh Madison, Wisconsin that you were speaking at one day and I and I and I purchased your book there. I was invited by uh by Carl uh Brinkman and and flew to the Midwest randomly <laughs> for a weekend to go to a to go to a summit, but the concept of kingdom justice was something that was Um, That was very keen to me, right? Being somebody that's always advocated for social justice, it kind of seems to be pulled a lot of times away from a gospel or like an evangelical conversation. Like it, it gets separated. Like, you know, we can get the gospel and then justice will just come. It's almost like there's no action required on the justice side of the gospel, despite the fact that, you know, the Bible and Jesus, right, compels us <laughs> um, to do things and to seek justice and to speak for those who can't speak. So after, um, you know, reading your book, you know, I connected with you and we, we've kind of stayed in touch. And even to the point to where my daughter now wants to be a lawyer, she's read um, gospel justice and she wants to be a criminal defense attorney and then also do tort law. And mm. this is what my 11 year old told me. So, uh <laughs> She's reading constitutional law books now. She read Law 101 um, and she's read Gospel Justice like two or three times. So, um, and it's, it was great examples. And what I loved about the book and, and what'll play into the new norm here is that you talk about a lot of ordinary situations that people overlook. And the fact that, especially on the civil side, right, the legal system is structured to be maneuvered by lawyers, but then you're not guaranteed any, you're not guaranteed any representation in a civil case. If it's a criminal case, you get the overworked, right? <laughs> stressed out staff of <laughs> of uh, of public defenders. But in a civil case, you won't run into that. So the reason I thought about you in this, right is the the coming out of this coronavirus pandemic, right? where we have business loans, mortgage forbearances, people who have been laid off temporarily, people who have been furloughed, people who are applying for benefits, um even people who get ill, people um you know, spouses who are passing away. I just thought about all the examples, right, of older women and families who don't have estates planned, and then you know the the patriarch or the husband of the family passes away or the mom passes, and nothing was, you know, they didn't have benefici beneficiaries identified. So there's so many aspects of life where there's kind of whether it's small or large scale litigation, right, that's required. And there's so many millions and millions of people that are going to be economically and financially impacted in the short term and the long term by the um by the virus. I wanted to give an opportunity for you to speak right on what uh, what administered justice does, you know, like how your gospel justice centers work um with the initiatives and potentially how you see the service, you know, the services that'll be needed, right, in this in this post-pandemic world. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Roy. I, I think it's true. The in every situation where there's trials or suffering, I think the Bible speaks well to that being a God opportunity to lean more into Him and to trust Him more in the process. So we know that when it comes to justice, in particular, uh, it this time I think is creating a great awakening, a great awareness that, hey, this isn't somebody else's problem. This is all of our problems as believers and followers of the kingdom of God. But it literally can impact me, right? Just because I think things are going fine doesn't mean that I know what tomorrow holds. And suddenly tomorrow held a loss of a job. Not through anybody's fault. They didn't do anything wrong. But this coronavirus hit and now suddenly they find themselves just like the people that you read about in the book who are always around us. The needs of those who are more vulnerable, who are under-resourced and suddenly they're in that under-resourced category because they don't have a job or suddenly health, somebody they know has actually caught the virus that they didn't expect And so all of a sudden, I think that there's this greater sensitivity. I think there's a great awareness, too, that the law is just insanely confusing. I mean, you can watch whatever (laughs) news station you want right now, but how do you get real answers to what the governor just did, no matter what state you're in, or what new law Congress just passed? And how in the world does these PPP funds work that nobody can access and and get through? And how do you navigate some of these things? And then you take that same complexity and you apply it to now your lease. And hey, but what does it mean if they're not uh, evicting me or foreclosing on me? You know, now this suddenly impacts me. Before, maybe somebody who was distant from me, but now it's me or somebody I know. And I think that's just a great opportunity for us to speak into that space and to be present and available for people.
0: Yeah, and like you said, right, and and all of the things we just mentioned—the CARES Act, right—the the protection for businesses. Most legislators are lawyers, <laughs> uh-huh. right? Leases are written; they're legal contracts, and I think we we kind of. We overlooked that at times, right? The way that we have to kind of meticulously navigate. That's why we saw the large corporations that had legal staff were some of the first people to apply for it, right? Even though some of them seemed like they didn't qualify, they found a loophole or they found an angle, right? They found a way to, to, to manipulate or to gain benefit of the system to where the coffers were drained <laughs> relatively quickly, right? When they, With all this money, billions and, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars were supposed to be available. So- in these ordinary circumstances, like you said, that are always around, people are always getting evicted, people are always getting foreclosed on, people always have things going on with their credit or health issues and trying to negotiate bills with, with hospitals and trying to um, stave off collections and all of these other things that wind up impacting families, right? How do you how do you see the well and I'll ask two questions? Like, how do you see your organization and then what is the responsibility? I'll, I'll ask the, I don't know, a loaded question. What do you feel the responsibility of the church is in this time as well to help in this, this justice initiative to try to help you know resolve some of people's problems or at least get them information?
1: Those are great questions, Roy. So uh, at Administer Justice, we believe that no one should face confusing legal circumstances alone. Uh, We can become so isolated in the self-sufficient country and culture that we've built that when something goes wrong, like right now you just lost your job because of COVID-19, sometimes we become embarrassed. And this is true in the church. So one of your points that will lead into your second one, that we go to a church thinking we have to have it all together. And suddenly, if we don't, if we're facing a family challenge, or we're facing an eviction or foreclosure, or we're facing fraud, we've been taken advantage of, and we're so embarrassed, and we go and we put on a happy smile at church, uh, but our lives are falling apart, and where do we turn for help? Well, administered justice wants to be a place where you can get trusted legal information, where we can put together a very specific plan with you. Talk to a lawyer who will pray with you, who will encourage you for what God has in the midst of this. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. And so he, he's not going to leave you or forsake you. It's just great opportunity to minister to people when they're at some of the lowest points in their lives. That's where we bring in the gospel. But we care deeply about practical justice as well. And so how to provide practical guides, a step-by-step plan, is what happens in all of the 107 neighborhoods we're in across the country right now. Uh, we have lawyers that meet. Right now we're doing this virtually. And so wherever you are, you can reach out right now. If you've got questions, you can call 847-844-1100 and a lawyer and a caring, what we call advocate, will join you in a conference call or a Zoom call and will help you navigate through the circumstances that you're in. We love when we can do that in person. And for the church, to answer that question, I think it's a great opportunity. The church too long has I think failed to recognize the prevalence of justice. You know, justice is this for the poor is the second most prominent theme in the Bible. And yet, I yeah. doubt that out of 52 Sundays, I doubt that you hear 26 sermons on justice and how we ought to be people of justice and we ought to care about practical justice needs of our neighbor. Uh, that's yeah. that's unfortunate. So I think pastors can preach and speak more on biblical justice, I think they can get practical and say, hey, here's a practical opportunity. It's no cost to partner with us, and we would train a team in their church, in their community, or virtually, however, to be able to reach into their community in this practical way to address very practical legal issues and also share the hope of God's love.
0: And I love one thing that I, I love about you guys. You know, I'm an, I'm an engineer, but I'm not a. I'm an applications engineer, right? It's not. It's not theoretical. <laughs> so, I, you know, so for me, there's there's always ideology, and then there's application. And like you said, mm-hmm. I think we, you know, sometimes we focus on the gospel as an ideology, and we don't look at the gospel through the the application and the actions that it drives us to do, right? When you condense everything that Jesus said into the two commandments that he said encompasses everything, which is love God and love your neighbor, right? So it's like, it's, it's the, it's the vertical and then the horizontal. So from a justice perspective, loving our neighbor looks like, you know, wanting them to have access to healthcare, wanting them to have equal education, right? Wanted them wanting them to be treated fairly by the police, right? So that's one thing that with, you know, within our communities that, um, I, I just and I shared the article with you, right, that I wrote for Urban Youth Workers. I said we often want to look down at our Bibles but not out at our neighbors. So there's right. so much struggling around us. You know, you have a you have a hoard. I mean, in a very practical example, you have a hoard of toilet paper and there are old people in your church with no toilet paper. That is a very practical way to love your neighbor, right? Or if anyone around you doesn't have. Um, but the the justice aspect of it, especially in America, because we've become, right, we're a very litigious society, right? People get sued for everything, <laughs> right? There's, there's always some contract you have to sign. People don't know how to get out of cell phone contracts, right? We've got predatory lending on credit cards, and there's so much in our And our desire to consume, right? That there's so many opportunities to take advantage of people. Um, And I love the fact, and, and even a lot of the illustrations that you had in the book about how you know even if people didn't get victory in court, right? And they, you know, there. I think there was one story. It was a messy divorce, and the husband still wound up winning, but she had her family. She had a new church family. She found Christ, and then she was made whole without there being compensation. So from a justice perspective, I think the the other thing is that there's an equity. Right. That that we that you can strive for practically. But there is also an eternal benefit to the gospel that I love the fact that you guys present that. Right. it's And and I'll say right. And, I, and I, you know, you can disagree with me if I'm if I'm incorrect, <laughs> but that you guys don't you know, you don't withhold services from anybody if they're not Christian. But you will share the gospel with everybody that you service. They don't have to accept it. They don't have to, you know, it's not say a prayer, or sign a paper. But through what you do, you share the gospel. And then if they receive it, they receive it. Um, if if not, you still offer those services. Is that correct?
1: Amen, Roy. And I think that that's loving your neighbor. I appreciate your pointing to the great homeworks of scripture. And sometimes we can get all caught up in theology and <laughs> ooh, dicing each of those 66 books right and really going into things. But it really is simple. I mean, Jesus did make it simple. Love God, love neighbor. Yeah. And I think loving neighbor is justice in action. And I don't know how— we would be loving our neighbor if we didn't care about both their present circumstance and the their eternal destination. And we profoundly care about both. And because we love them, we're not going to force something down somebody's throat. We're not going to make it a mandatory thing or a check box to receive services. No, we're going to love them. We're yeah. going to, demonstrate love and action, and we're going to enter into loving conversations with them to help them explore, is there a God? Does he care about them? Is he aware of their circumstances? Does he actually have purpose in it? Can he actually use something that's bad and use it ultimately for good? These are profound questions, but they're wonderful conversations to have with somebody to help them navigate through a crisis in their life, whether it's family, as you just referenced, whether it's being taken advantage of in the loans that you referenced, whether it's losing your house, losing your job, any of those areas, it's a great opportunity to practically walk alongside them so they can get through it Victory or not, we can't guarantee justice, the side of heaven, but we yeah. can't guarantee that we'll walk beside them through the process. And then we can also guarantee to them that there truly is a God who loves them, who created them, and who wants to have a relationship with them.
0: And that that's awesome. And like you said, that that obligation, right? We don't we don't want people. We want people to find the gospel attractive and savoring. You know, like the Bible says, it's how we love one another is what will make people ask if we are His disciples, right? So it's the way that we treat people, not us. Like you said, checking a box. I've 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 been so fr- I've been at events before where the you know there were serving the homeless, and it's like you know if you let me pray for you, I'll give you water. And I'm like that you're just you're defeating the entire purpose of why you're here like anyone. OK, whatever. I'm thirsty. Give me water. Right. But in, instead, you could show them love and then and then eventually lead them um, to, you know, to the to the well that does not run dry. Right. So Amen. but I love that aspect of it, that it's an action. And, I you know, you keep saying it like love is an action. Justice is an action. And I think love is is can be easily equated to justice Right. Like if you love someone, you don't want to see them getting taken advantage of. You don't want them, um, you know, like for you don't want them to suffer from fraud. You don't want them to be um, mishandled. So it's, you know, this this whole issue in the, you know, even a nationalistic approach where we don't care about immigration. Right. And, you know, somebody should have just obeyed the law that maybe they didn't understand or that wasn't fully explained to them. it, it You just take out of the concept. Right. We try to detach ourselves From the humanity of an individual, because we know that God calls us and God compels us to love people. Right. So it's like we have to rationalize the justice out of our mind because God built us to love people. Right. I love I love my kids. And, you know, I've got three children and my oldest daughter is just a lawyer by nature. Right. But all of my kids are like that because you tell them something and they have a concept in their mind of what's fair. Right. And children don't like things being unfair. So if there was three pieces of cake and there were three people and somebody got two pieces, they don't think that's fair. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they're, it's so simple that they're not trying to logically explain why somebody deserved more than me. Right. So I think a lot of times people see justice through that perspective of, you know, what I earned, what I did, you know, What they did to themselves or they may deserve it, not just thinking that justice is something that should that is equitable. Right. That should be available to everyone, just like God's love is available to everyone. And we all from, a you know, especially all of those who believe know that we're on the other side of justice and we were not deserving of his grace. Yet he gave it to us anyway. So that's the one thing I love when it comes to gospel justice. It's not about what people deserve. Right, because we all deserve death <laughs> for sin, and, and we didn't get it. So it's the it's the practical application of the justice system. You know, utilizing what you can to help people. And then I, I love the fact that that you guys show love, um, you show grace, um, and you and you show the gospel in action, um, as you're serving at Administer justice. So you said you're in 107 neighborhoods across the country. Correct. You gave, you, you gave your um you gave the phone number, which I want you to give the phone number again. As well as the website. Um, and then any other information you want us to know about about Administer Justice or or other things you're involved in uh, to help seek justice.
1: Sure. So again, that that phone number, and I do encourage anyone to call from anywhere. We we can help you or we'll connect you, and that's eight four seven eight four four eleven hundred. So eight four seven. Eight four four one one zero zero. The website is administerjustice.org, and that will allow easy ways to get connected for help uh, and also ways that you can volunteer because maybe God has you in a good place right now and you recognize the blessing that is. Or we emerge on the other side of this current crisis and there are needs and the needs are going up. We know that there are more neighbors who need legal help and who need just Clarity. It's so confusing, the law, and it's so expensive. One in three Americans just simply cannot afford thousands of dollars for a lawyer. And especially now that's true. And so, being able to access good, free legal counsel to get great guidance is so critical. We can do that because we leverage a lot of volunteers. We have hundreds of volunteers across the country who say, Hey, I want to be involved in justice. That's a team of people, one or two of those are lawyers. There's like six or seven support roles. So if you care about justice, because like you said, just as a child, just something within you just burns and says, hey, things need to be fair. There needs to be equity. There needs to be an ability to raise up people who are vulnerable so that they can have equal access to justice because God cares about them they're made in His image. If that's you if you really have a burning passion I'd love for you to visit our website and let's talk about ways that you could volunteer and be involved. If you're a church again it really is a no cost. I'm not uh, you know hiding something or bait and switch. Uh, I just would love to talk to a pastor reach out to uh, me uh, so that we can have a conversation on what that could look like to bring justice to your community.
0: That's awesome. That's amazing. And I, and I thank you for sharing. I thank you for just joining with us. Um, I will put the website as well as the phone number on the, the graphic that I create for the um, for the for this podcast episode as well. So people can have it. Um, hopefully people will tune in and be be informed and educated um, on new things. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely something that that's going to be a necessity right now and probably four or five or six months from now as this continues to progress, I I hope that churches, um, especially churches and organizations, take an opportunity to partner uh, with organizations like yours to help do this work in the community because, one, we're going to run out of, churches are going to run out of benevolence funds, Mm -hmm. right? So less people who have money can give less money, who need money, that's not a cycle that can continue, right? So at some point, um barrels and storehouses are going to get empty and there, you know, there's going to be difficulties. And I mean, there may even be churches who are in leases right now and commercial contracts um, that, that aren't able to pay and you know may not be able to apply, they may need that assistance. Um, that, that assistance as well. So I just hope that people are um are, I guess I would say humble enough to receive it. Right. Just know that, like you said, we don't have to, I love what you said earlier. There is this tendency in church that we're supposed to come you know all together right we suffer in silence but we praise and worship loudly right and it's unfortunate <laughs> that we we raise our hands in adoration but we don't raise our hands when we need intercession so um i think that you know to have a you know to have an organization like yours that can intercede in in both a spiritual and practical way um i think is absolutely um helpful and i hope that more people reach out i hope that people support and volunteer i know that when we get into to North Carolina, we will be looking for for gospel uh, justice centers. And if there is none, then we will get one set up for you. Um, we already have churches willing to do it. So um, that's one thing. And, did, you know, you, you mentioned the term equity during this whole coronavirus uh, you know pandemic. You know, we've been home. I You know, I haven't been home. This is my sixth week at home, which is the most time I've been at home in 10 years um, consistently because, you, you know, I travel constantly mm-hmm. for work. And so one thing that we did is we used the Lead Like Jesus uh, encounter workshop facilitation because I'm a certified facilitator. And we used that to do a family purpose statement. And one thing that was interesting is we, we also wound up pulling core values out of our purpose statement. And so we wound up with four core values as a family, and it's equity, service, truth, and love. And so I just thought that was awesome. And we're going to get it printed up and do some stuff. But we spent like a whole night, you know, after dinner and, you know, we wanted we wanted, you know, equitable treatment of people. And to be able to seek justice was something that my daughter um, said, mm-hmm. you know, as as one of her things and in advocating. So I think it's it's beautiful and especially to volunteer. Right. I mean, there are people, especially young people out there who are passionate. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to take a shot at my millennial brethren right now, like we need to get off the keyboard sometime and actually go into our communities, uh-huh. right? Hashtagging is cute, but there are organizations out there that need volunteers that need assistance, that need funding um, that could be, that could get help with social media, right? Helping to spread the word or whatever else. And so I, I always say that, like, I like to encourage what I call spiritual entrepreneur uh, entrepreneurialism. Like when you're passionate about something, then go do it. Right. Don't wait for somebody mm-hmm. like find an organization, find somebody already doing it, walk alongside them um, and then go out and, and serve. Right. If your church isn't doing it, if there's if there's nothing near you, then go find a way to get involved and do what you're passionate about, because God created each of us individually for a specific special purpose. Right. And it's when we're working and walking in our purpose, we can properly edify the kingdom. So you're doing that. Right. You said 10 years in, in law and 20 years doing legal aid. And supporting you found that purpose and you continue to drive it, Um, I thank God for you. Thank God for your obedience, right, and stepping out. I read the book. I know that was hard, right? Early on going out there. If you want to know who this crazy guy is that wants to give me free <laughs> legal support and to pray for me. Um, so I, I just appreciate your heart and your obedience and the endurance, right? And the consistency um, that you've shown. And I'm sure it's been an example for for many um, and for, I'm sure, thousands across the country. So I, I pray that you continue to to do what you, you know, to do what you can. Um, I pray that your support grows, right? And, um, and your visibility grows so that more people know that they can come to you to to help seek fair justice and at the same time be able to be exposed uh, to the gospel in action. So I thank you for your time. I really appreciate you joining us here on the Savage Truth Podcast, and then I'll let you have the last word and anything you want to share.
1: Well, I just encourage your listeners. I I know we believe in this country and a nation of justice for all that's not true i think we realize that more and more every day Uh, and that's perhaps the blessing of COVID that i hope that we become more aware that we're all potentially vulnerable but the most vulnerable amongst us really need you if God's given you talents, which you said, if he's given you treasure, invest them wisely in advancing his kingdom. There's a place for you at the justice table. And I hope that you'll join us and sit with us as we leave that table to enter in our neighborhoods uh, and serve and love our, our neighbors. So uh, it's been a joy to be with you, Roy, truly. And I look forward to any of those God's prompting, whether we can help them or whether they can be a help to others. We'll look forward to working together to advance God's kingdom first his glory
0: thank you God bless Bruce
2: Call me the doctor because I have a dream to make a difference. I'm so tired of these buildings filled with hypocrites and gimmicks. Cash and checks for your deliverance. And pimping on your pain. If you feel guilty, hit the plate. Call it sacrificial leave and sin again. Cause I'm not preaching that you change. I'm just reaching for your change. And the guilty give my offering because they feel ashamed. Let me explain. See the business of ministry is driven by what you give and the value of each member dollar signs because you tender. That's why it's ties and not charity because they need residuals. And you are the collateral so they can't reach conviction. They can't reach to your closets When they deacons hiding in them Music led by the effeminate, So they don't quote that scripture And we focus on homosexuals Abortion and these politics Ignoring fornication, adultery And the covetous desire for higher gain Prosperity will buy you things But if you treasure find the things Your heart will follow Why the change? I could make a quarter million Still won't buy a Lexus Or a thousand dollar necklace Cause my value is in heaven I'll just rock this Jesus piece And wear these jeans So I can keep money in the bank To go and fill a need And spend some money on these seeds To spread the love of my father Jesus rode a donkey So I whip a tourist Why bother With all the luxury To cause my brother's jealousy And tie up all my blessings Huh? I'ma just let them breathe Say you deserve it We dirt But have a purpose To go out and make disciples Not establish worth With worthless Those name brands You chasing has made Man so anxious To make a dollar We turn God's house Into a marketplace Pastor became the pharaoh He sits atop the pyramid Now everybody's selling makeup In these vacation trips Feed the milk and babysit Doctor has been patient with Tradition and religion Now it's time Time to go and save the sick. Seen so many tired, fired up to the occupy these streets. God will use the meek to change the world, and this is why I speak. I have no desire for accolades. Your praise can't capture me. Cause every breath and every day I live is still miraculous. Holding back these tears. Cause it's been years and still can't understand. That's why he kept his hand over a man, He's severely damaged. Battered, but not broken, skeptic, but not hopeless now. Injected with his focus. So just picture me rolling on the mission to the trenches with them gangbangers and villains. Lost in needy children, but we family going them, continue enjoying comfort, these plush seats. And wonder why the world is growing. Atheists and church attendance plumbing, some dropping bombs. These casualties have to happen, not gradually. The flesh ain't dying, sad to see. Now homicide's the strategy. We live in fear, the end is near, but we can't stop moving. I'ma run it to the buzzer. Hope we score before we lose it. That's the dream, y'all. That's the dream. <laughs> not a king, but I got a dream. <laughs> I hope they listen.